Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. I'm Fanny B. Peck. And I'm Carol Hutchins. And this is Great Legs Confidential. <laughs> Hi, Carol Hutchins. Hi, Fanny. <laughs> Not liking that at all. <laughs> so our last two episodes were about... Uh, Crazy Pants Tony, who, um, as far as I'm concerned, did really not a whole lot of positive stuff for our state. Like, sort of, but not really. Like, right. I'm we're Detroit, and the people in the British are like, yeah, you're Detroit. So there wasn't like a lot of like stuff that he actually did. So I thought that this time we would talk about some badass babes from Michigan. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. So there's a lot of them. So we're going to go through a couple of them now. And then in a future episode, we'll hit on some more because there's there's a lot of badass babes in our state. Oh, this is so cool. Yeah, this is really fun. So Uh, how is my Carol Hutchins? Oh, you're perfect. Okay, because I was like, (laughs) afterwards, I was like, oh, I wonder if I should have tried to like channel Carol Baskin. No, absolutely not. Totally different. Totally. Like complete end of the spectrum difference. Like with those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, we're going to start with Carol Hutchins. Okay. So the information from um, for Carol Hutchins is from Wikipedia, YouTube, mgoblue.com and miwf.org. So I know that there's a lot of sports fans that we have as listeners. So I would I thought I would start with a local sports hero, which is Carol Hutchins. Carol was born on May 26 of 1957 in Lansing, Michigan. She attended Everett High School, where she was an all-city basketball player from 1973 to 1975. Okay, is she still alive? Yes. Okay. She's an athlete and still alive, so my apologies on the Carol Baskin. <laughs> I just don't want Carol Hutchins like coming for me. No, because no, no. I, I don't think she I'm, would. Yeah, she I'm pretty, pretty sure great. I wouldn't be able to take her. Probably not. Yeah, she's an athlete. <laughs> As a freshman at MSU, she helped the softball team win an Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women National Softball Championship. That's a mouthful. She played shortstop. And from what I can tell, this is about the time that she became more focused on softball than on basketball. So after she graduated from MSU, she went to Indiana University. So wait, she's like already the Michael Jordan of female Michigan athletes. (laughs) Because she went from... Basketball to baseball? Yeah. Nice connection. Yeah, I like I that. I just wanted people to be surprised that I know a little <laughs> bit about very, sports. <laughs> very tiny bit. Yes. Yeah. 
No, that was that's a that's actually a pretty interesting connection. If you want to start talking pod racing from the Star Wars prequels, I that's the sport <laughs> I know about. I'll keep that in mind for the future um, episode about pod racing. <laughs> Good. <laughs> pod racing in Michigan. Uh-huh. Um, so after she graduated from MSU, she went to Indiana University. She earned a master's degree in physical education in 1981. Ooh. While at Indiana University, she worked as assistant head coach in 81. Then in 82, she moved back to Michigan to take a head coach position at Ferris State. In 83, she was hired as assistant coach at the University of Michigan, holding that spot until 1984. In 1985, Hutch, as she's known, became head coach of the Michigan Wolverines softball team, and those gals have not had a losing season since. I like that you let me do Carol Hutchins at the beginning. She's an (laughs) athlete. She has a cool nickname. She's awesome. Yeah. Clearly, I am the chubby male version of Hutch. <laughs> and my nickname, Surly Michael. This is from Wikipedia. Hutchins reportedly, quote, had a tiny salary and only slightly larger budget and had to take care of her own field, throwing down lime and riding the lawn tractor. She joked that there's still a dent in the fence from the day the tractor, quote, went wild. She's a head coach and she has to <laughs> cut. The, what? Like, she's not at like a small school. Like, she's at pretty huge. Yeah. And they're like, ah, let Hutch ride the lawnmower. I mean, like, think about, think about like women's sports in the 80s, though. It's not like, it's not like people were clamoring to spend money on this stuff right so i I know but still this is still during the uh like i mean we're in the era the ballpark of like the the ronald reagan and then like hollywood being involved with politics so like Mm the uh school fitness arnold schwarzenegger like everyone you know like Come on, hire someone to cut her grass for her. I, I, yeah, I'm saying, but none of that stopped her from earning from her and her teams from winning 22 Big Ten Conference regular season titles, nine Big Ten Conference softball tournament titles, and 18 National Collegiate Athletic Association regional championships. In addition, on 18 different occasions, she was named Big Ten Coach of the Year, National Fast Pitch Coaches Association Regional Coach of the Year nine times, and NFCA National Coach of the Year twice. And by my math, she's in her 30s, you know, when all mm-hmm. this starts happening. Yeah. I'm 51 yeah. and I haven't accomplished. <laughs> I want Hutch to adopt me. I'm saying. So if that I wonder if she's in the market for a 51-year-old Probably, son. yes, most likely. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to reach out to her. So say, if that doesn't make her badass enough for you in March of 20 in March of 2002, she hit her 638th win. This meant that she had more career wins than any other coach in the history of U of M in any sport, male or female. Wow. <laughs> There's more. But still, we know that Harbaugh guy's name, mm-hmm. you know, but 
I I've never heard of Carol Hutch I, before. Right, exactly. Exactly. I'm, gonna, I'm calling her Carol Hutch. Carol Hutch. Yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm just yeah. <laughs> In 2000, I'm gonna start calling her Mama Hutch. <laughs> Mama instead. Hutch. Yeah, because she will adopt me. <laughs> In 2005, her Michigan Gals set more records. They had 65 victories, which was the most in the program's history. They had 32 consecutive wins between February 13th and March 30th. They had 103 home runs, which tied them for the second most home runs in NCAA history. And it was the team's first number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Hutch and her team also got invited to the White House that year after winning the World Series. In 2007, she became the seventh coach in NCAA softball history and the first in any sport at U of M to reach 1,000 career wins. Somewhere between 2007 and 2022, she lost the title of winningest coach, but reclaimed it on February 25th of 2022. On May 1st of 2022, she became the first softball coach to rack up over 1,700 wins. Jeez. Carol Hutchinson's announced her retirement after 38 years as head coach at University of Michigan on August 24th, 2022, with 1,707 wins, 551 losses, and five tied games. She left U of M as the winningest coach in NCAA Division I history. She was inducted into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in 2022. Something that I found while researching her was that she was really selfless. There was a lot of different interviews of her. Don't talk about my mama hutch in the past tense. (laughs) She is is extremely selfless. Every interview she's giving players credit. Um, You know, she she kind of just takes a backseat to that. Um, Even in retirement, she spends time volunteering her time to make sure young women have opportunities in sports. She mentors young coaches. She serves on committees whose purposes are to level the playing field for girls and women in sports. So obviously, Carol Hutchins is an icon, not just at the University of Michigan, but for our entire state. I found a clip of her talking about sports that I wanted to share, um, especially for the people that aren't in Michigan. It's a pretty short clip, but you can just kind of like hear her passion in it. The people outside of Michigan do not realize what a fantastic state Michigan is and what a fantastic city Detroit is and what Detroit has built up. This is a happening place. It's a sports town. We have fantastic athletes all over the state for both the University of Michigan and, of course, Michigan State. And we have it going here in this state. We always represent ourselves really well on the biggest states. We do it right. We put on fantastic tournaments and the state of Michigan is the best kept secret in the country. So that's the story of Carol Hutchinson. I am so Carol pr- Hutchins, I'm sorry. Carol Hutchins. I am so proud of my adopted mom. <laughs> wow, she's so cool. Isn't she awesome? Yeah. Um you've got to look her interviews up on YouTube cuz she's very she's super inspiring and yeah. she's just like there's interviews of her, like people are interviewing her on the golf course. She's just out there living her best life, and she's she's a badass. So she she has more of a Michigan short A sound than yeah. I have, <laughs> and a harder R than I have. Like I I know I have a really bad Michigan accent, but oh, I just want to. I don't. I want to talk about apples and cars, <laughs> apples and cars with her, like. She's so I I was wondering like why haven't someone should make a 
like a biopic about her. Oh, I'm sure there probably has been. But I I just read that uh, someone was saying something about um, filmmaking in Hollywood where it's like, oh, I got a story about a dude with a hangnail. Yeah. And a studio is like, let's green light it. And then if someone's like, oh, I got a, a story about the most winning coach at U of M, Carol Hutchins, people are like, mm, where's the story? How can we relate with this? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, because it's a woman? Like, ah. Oh. That's the thing. I mean, like you said, you know, Harbaugh has been in the news nonstop for the last couple of weeks because of this whole sign stealing football thing. And I don't I don't follow it completely. I just hear bits and pieces. And obviously George is a huge fan of football, so him and his friends talk about it all the time, but I kind of zone out. I don't know what they're saying. I do know that Harbaugh was at the game last night. He was finally coaching last night. Michigan won. It was, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Of course, everybody's talking about that. But yeah, I've never heard of this person. Yeah. And and it's not just because I don't follow sports like that. Like, why is she not? And if she was in the news during her retirement that much and people were talking about her, like, how did I miss that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're definitely a person that wants to champion women especially women in michigan right and i watched the like i've watched the news since i was a child how would i have missed this whole (laughs) like it's crazy to think that people were talking about her and mainstream media and i just somehow missed all of that yeah i mean granted i don't follow sports at all but you would think that she would be a household name, yeah. especially in Michigan, yeah. especially in this area. Right. It's- Here's some trivia for everyone. The main Great Lakes Confidential Studios that we are recording in right now used to be the home of the bodyguard for Harbaugh. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. He is now a retired cop. And uh, you can see in the front door, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but they're looks like knuckle print like someone hit the front door i'm going to guess that was either him or one of his sons who were also like pretty big uh oh burly guys and uh yeah he taught uh self-defense in uh, a dojo that he had in the basement to the women in the neighborhood and i turned his dojo into a uh, star wars centric man cave <laughs> That's so on brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, he was a great guy. Like everyone in the neighborhood loves him. Oh, and, I love uh, that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what can you teach people? And I'm like, Star Wars trivia. Mm. Yeah. You never know when that's going to come in handy, though. You end up on Jeopardy in the right time and you never know. Yeah. Speaking of badass women in Michigan, my friend Mora that I went to high school with was on Jeopardy. Oh, did really? did very well. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I... Would love to be on Jeopardy. I love trivia, but I like my those connections don't hit as fast as like the contestants, right? Like the information is there and I'm always like it's right on the tip of my tongue and it just doesn't it just doesn't come out fast enough. I and, wonder why. Um yeah, years and years of um poor choices. So uh oh. moving on. <laughs> So the next badass babe on my list is Cora Reynolds Anderson. Cora was an American politician who served in the Michigan House of Representatives as a member of the Republican Party. 
She was the first woman and first Native American elected to the Michigan House of Representatives. Wow! All the information on Cora Reynolds Anderson comes from Wikipedia, miningjournal.net, nps.gov, womenwhodared.omica.net, michigan.gov, michiganradio.org, and nationalgrange.org. Cora was born in Lance, Michigan on April 10, 1882, though some articles I found claim she was born in 1883. She was of English, French, and Chippewa descent. There's pretty much no information on her early life. Um, Everything that I found basically says, like, she was born... She graduated from the first ever graduating class of Lance High School, and then she took off to Kansas to go to college. So I don't know anything about her, really. She studied at the Haskell Institute in Lawrence, Kansas, obtaining a teaching diploma, and then she returned to the Upper Peninsula to teach at the Zeba Mission. In 1903, she married Charles Harold Anderson, and the two of them briefly ran the Thomas Hotel in Lance. Hmm. All right, so you know how women weren't allowed to vote until 1920? Yeah. Well, in Michigan, women were actually allowed to vote for school trustees as early as 1867. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then women likely to be given ballot, which was a headline in Lansing's local newspaper on March 13, 1917. Unless something unforeseen happens, a bill giving the women of Michigan the right to vote for presidential electors will be passed by the Michigan legislature, and a constitutional amendment to be submitted at the general election in 1918, providing for universal suffrage, will also be ratified, the State Journal reported. So that's just another reason why Michigan is like the best in the Midwest. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. I did not know that. Me neither. So now we're in 1920. Women are given the right to vote. Um, During this time, Miss Cora was organizing the first public health service in Baraga County, bringing the first public health nurse to the area. She was an advocate for public health issues, especially tuberculosis and alcoholism. And she was on a committee that was responsible for leadership with regards to an industrial school for girls. She was also active in the Grange, which was a grassroots organization founded in 1867, and it's still around nationally today. Now, I have never heard of the Grange before. I don't know if you have. No. So from their website, quote, The Grange is a community-based national organization that provides members the opportunity to lead, the opportunity to learn, and the ability to make a difference through community service, grassroots legislative advocacy, and educational programs. So... In my research, um, one thing that stood out to me about the Grange was that they've accepted women since day one. So we're talking 1867, and they've always accepted women. Um, Also from their website, quote, we have always welcomed and invited people of all races, creeds, religions, and nationalities into our membership. So back to Miss Cora. So now it's 1924, and a seat opens up in the state house for the district of Baraga, Keweenaw, Ontonagon and Iron Counties. She ran unopposed, and with high voter turnout, she was elected first woman, first Native American. She only served one term due to redistricting, but during that time, she continued to advocate for public health, as well as paying attention to issues important to her community, like licensing for beauticians, sanitary rules for hotels, and fishing rights for Native Americans. So again, it's like, these are things that you don't really ever think about, right? Like, yeah beautician licenses you're just like oh they you know they've just always been here since i've been here well she's one of the people that was like let's make sure that these people cutting hair 
have a license to do so. Right, yeah. You know, so it's just, it's interesting to to learn where it's such, um, I don't want to say ign- ign- insignificant things, but things that we think we kind of take for granted now, right? right? Like, oh yeah, hotels should have sanitary rules. And it's like, well, they've just always been uh, quote unquote clean. I don't know, depending on where you're staying. Yeah. But but there's a reason for that. And it's because of Cora. You know what I mean? So it's just very, it's just really cool. So That is super cool. Yeah. So after her term in the house, she and her husband moved to Bay City where he worked as a prohibition agent. She continued her work with the Grange as the UP representative she died in 1950 from an illness that she had for several years, and her burial location is unknown. Oh, no. In 2000, the Michigan State House office building was named the Anderson House office building in her honor. At that time, it was the only government building in Lansing named for a woman. In 2001, she was inducted into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame, and in 2022, the post office in Baraga County was renamed the Cora Reynolds Anderson Post Office. The Michigan Women's Hall of Fame said about Cora, quote, at a time when minorities, including Native Americans, were subjected to considerable economic and social discrimination, Anderson's determination to attend college and return the benefits of her education to her community was notable. Her role as educator, legislator, and public health reform leader aided the Native American community as well as the whole of society. That is pretty remarkable on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Not only being Native American, but the first woman. Yeah, like she had a lot going against her and she just kept pushing and pushing. Yeah. So that's why Cora Reynolds Anderson is one of the badass babes of Michigan. That is really remarkable, especially when you think about like the timeline in relation to like what we were talking about with like Matt Anthony and everything. Like she was born less than a hundred years after... We took Michigan, you know, mm-hmm. and Detroit and everything from the Native Americans. So here she is, you know, part Native American, you know, a substantial part Native American, but willing to fight for the state from within yeah. using, you know, let's be honest, white man politics, mm-hmm. you know, that are not you know, looking favorably, still not to this day, looking favorably on Native Americans or women. Right. But here she is, and she died 70 years ago, still like, hey, I'm I'm going to try to do this impossible thing from within a system that doesn't really, you know, care that much about people like me. And the other interesting thing to point out and remember is that she was part of the Republican Party. Yeah. So think of all of the differences. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that people like to point out, like Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. It's like the Republican Party then versus what it is now are so Right, but if you consider, if she was trying to do that now with the Republican Party, she would have gotten nowhere. She would never never even been in the House. Like, there there would be no way... Yeah. Because she's not white and she's not blonde. And she's not, you know, a soccer mom. And she's not all of these things that, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or whatever is. And I always say I don't want to get super political on the show. But I mean, these are the facts. Like that Republican Party and this Republican Party are vastly different parties. And she would have gotten nowhere with that. 
Yeah, and in in all fairness, the Democratic Party is also pretty white male. Yeah, no, well. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. both parties kind of suck, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, but the other thing that I find interesting is is how you compared like the timeline to Mad Anthony because I often think. Like I, and I know I've said this on the show before, but my brain, as wonderful as it is, there's certain things that I just don't grasp. And time is one of those things, right? Like you think about certain people that were, like you think about like the Underground Railroad and like other things that were happening during that time, right? Like I can't, I have a hard time grasping the concept of like Mad Anthony Wayne happening at the same time as other do you know what i mean like it just i don't even know how to really explain it it just and then to think like she died in what was it 1950 1950s like that's relatively recent yeah but at the same time she was born in the 1800s so my brain doesn't (laughs) it doesn't know how to compute that i guess i don't know yeah i'm babbling now born when my birth mom and my adopted mom, Carol Hutchins, <laughs> were like, like, yeah, she died, you know, after both yeah. my mom and Carol Hutchins were born. Right. Yeah. It, like, it's just really difficult to, like, make sense of in my brain. Yeah. Like, Cora and Mama Hutch overlapped <laughs> in time in Michigan history. Yes. And so did this other woman. And this is another one that's just kind of like... I, Again, I'm like, this was all happening at the same time as other things that we've talked about on the show. And it's just like, it's very... So next, we have Fanny B. Peck. She's like... With a name like Fanny, I want you to say she was born in 1978 and... She was born... Well, that's funny because you got the numbers transposed a bit. So she... I couldn't find hardly any information on her at all, but I wanted to mention her because she did a lot of really great things for African-Americans in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, what little bit of information I could find about Fanny came from visitdetroit.com, amsterdamnews.com, findagrave.com, miwf.org, ourdetroit.com, our, H-O-U-R, detroit.com. Yeah, like the magazine. Yes. Yeah. And detroitmemorialpark.org. Fanny B. Peck was born August 15th, 1879. Oh, I was so close. You were so close. I literally couldn't find anything about her from the time she was born until she married Reverend William Peck in Ohio in 1899. The Reverend was a well-respected civil rights and religious leader in Detroit. He held the position of pastor at Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Detroit from 1928 until his death in 1943. Fanny was by his side the entire time. The Detroit Housewives League was a group started by Fanny B. Peck in 1930. It consisted of African-American housewives whose activism included promoting patronage of black-owned businesses and shopping at white-owned businesses that didn't discriminate against blacks. Their mantra was, quote, don't buy where you can't work. Fanny started the Detroit Housewives League at her home with 50 prospective members. Other cities followed suit and began their own chapters. In the in the state of Michigan, like almost immediately, she had thousands of people that wanted to join the Detroit Housewives Leagues okay. League, and there was just way too many. So what they actually had to do in the city of Detroit was they had different neighborhoods had their own sort of chapters 
um, just to kind of streamline things and keep everything organized because there were so many women that were like, hell yeah, let's do this. Yeah. So in 1933, the the National Housewives League was formed and Fannie was elected its president. Fannie also worked closely with Parkside Hospital in Detroit, but again, I couldn't find any information about what she did or for how long. In 1936, she created the Fannie B. Peck Bethel AME Church Credit Union, which allowed blacks in the community the opportunity to create a financial legacy. Because of this credit union, blacks were able to purchase homes, start businesses, and send their children to college. Couldn't find any information on if or when the credit union closed. Google searches came up with varying information. One site said it's closed, but with no date as to when that happened. And then another site says they've been in business for 87 years, which would mean that they're still in business today. The address associated with the credit union is the current location of the Bethel AME Church, which is still in operation. Okay. Everything I've read about Fannie B. Peck stated that she also started the first African-American cemetery in Detroit, Michigan. But again, no further information than that. So Fannie died November 13th, 1970, at the age of 91. Wow. Yeah. She was buried at Detroit Memorial Park West, which is in Redford. I pass by it all the time. Okay. It's on Plymouth Road. So I assumed maybe that was the cemetery that she started. I went to their website to see what information I could find about the park, and according to their history page, Detroit Memorial Park was founded in 1925 as the first black-owned cemetery but by funeral director Charles C. Diggs Sr. and drugstore owner Aaron C. Toodle, and I believe like 23 other black investors. It was started in the township of Warren because blacks weren't allowed to purchase land in Detroit at that time. In what year? 1925. Oh, okay. Detroit Memorial Park now owns three locations, the original Warren location, the Redford location that I already mentioned, and Grace Lawn Cemetery in Flint. So, interesting side story about the cemetery. Shortly after the land was purchased in Warren, the township started to reconsider and wanted the group of black investors to give up the land. Jeez. They were just like, no, we're not doing this. This is less than 100 years ago. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And by the way, her dying in 1970, you know how I seem super young and, you know, youthful to you and <laughs> um that's 2 years before I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yes. This whole, yes, time is bananas. So yeah, the the black investors were like, yeah, we're not giving up this land. So they decided that to make it more difficult for the township to just take the land back, they unceremoniously buried a stillborn baby in the middle of the night on October 30th, 1926. They were just like, you're not taking this land from us. There There happened to have been a stillborn baby and... Their family was like, yep, bury my child. And that's what they did. So then the land was theirs. That's an odd law. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I Yeah, I have no, um, no glib comment to make there. I know, you I, looked very... There was a lot of emotion in your face all at once. And I was like, I'm not sure where he's going to yep, go. Not going anywhere. <laughs> so I tried finding information on the cemetery that Fanny started by Googling the oldest cemetery in Detroit, which I found to be Grand Lawn Cemetery, which was founded in 1908. Okay. But no founder is listed there. And I, I can't tell if it was considered a black cemetery or not. So like, I don't know what cemetery she started. 
Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. If anybody out there has any more information, please share it with us because I am just like, I don't know. And because of the brain that because of the way my brain does work, I can't help but wonder if maybe there was like some sort of bad blood between Fanny and this group of investors that started Detroit Memorial Park. Like maybe they started it together and something happened or maybe it was just because she was a woman and they're like, we're not going to like, I don't know. Yeah, who it's, knows? it's yeah. so weird. So Fanny was inducted into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in 2021. Wow. Yeah. So we have two people who are in the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame that you've talked about on. No, all three of Cora- them. All, all three of them? Cora was, yep, Cora was oh, inducted Oh, and Hutch too. was, yeah, yeah I, I didn't know Hutch yep. was. Oh, yep. So we're lucky to have a ton of badass babes in our state. In fact, there are over 340 women who have been inducted into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame. According to Wikipedia, the Hall of Fame was started in 1983 by Gladys Beckwith, and it's sponsored by the Michigan Women's Studies Association. The Michigan Women's Historical Center and Hall of Fame is located in Lansing at 110 West Allegan Street in Suite 10. Um, As I said earlier, we're definitely going to do more episodes of badass babes um but some of the other notable women that have been inducted into the women's hall of fame include sojourner truth Mm -hmm. rosa parks of course betty ford Mm. gilda radner yay lily tomlin double yay love her aretha franklin debbie stabenow ruth ellis who i did do an episode on ruth ellis in season one uh terry mcmillan and diana ross Awesome. And then, like like I said, there's 340 plus. So that's our badass babes this time around. That's super cool. I know. I love it. I know I've recently told my Aretha Franklin story, but I can't remember if it was on this podcast or not. I don't think it was. Okay. You know my Aretha Franklin story? I don't think I do. Aretha Franklin called the police on me twice? No. Yes. Okay. So... When I got out of Specs Howard, I worked for Booth Communication, which was the cable company that serviced Birmingham, Bloomfield, Bloomfield Hills, Franklin Township, and all those, you know, Bingham Farms, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills, all the rich suburbs yeah. of Oakland County. And uh, so after I had like a production internship there, after the internship ended, I stayed on at the cable company for the summer burying cable which is not a dirty euphemism. It's just <laughs> what it sounds like, like as cable is installed and put into people's homes. Uh, the cable line is across your backyard, so we would take shovels and kind of cut a, uh, you know, about a, probably supposed to be deeper than what we actually did, but put a, <laughs> a you know, a little trench in there and then, you yeah. know, just bury the cable. So we uh, had Aretha Franklin's house and rang her doorbell. She didn't answer. And uh, so we just went into her backyard and uh, my partner, Hillary, and I, and uh, Hillary has since won a daytime Emmy, by the way, speaking of badass babes from Michigan. Interesting. Yeah. For Extreme. uh, She was an editor on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, Hillary and I are bearing cable and from the upstairs back window, Aretha Franklin yells out um, very colorful language. To uh, politely leave her backyard, mm. otherwise she was going to call the police on a couple Caucasian devils. Oh, so uh, we went back and we couldn't, you know, sign it as complete. 
we explained what happened and they said, okay, we'll have the ditch dispatcher call her and explain what, you know, was going on. So, uh, we thought everything would be fine to go back the next oh, day geez. and repeat. <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day. So uh, as far as I know, Aretha Franklin never had the uh, cable buried across her backyard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I love so it. Aretha Franklin yelled at me and called the police <laughs> on me. Uh, or at least threatened yeah. to call the police on me twice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. But if someone in a, a very large house is going to threaten to call the police on me, the last thing I want to do is be in their yard. Yeah. Especially if they are, you know, a beloved celebrity <laughs> right. in Michigan, you know. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'll leave. Oh, you want me to go? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, I remember we just went around, rang her doorbell again to explain who we were mm-hmm. and no answer. It's like, we know you're home. Yeah, yeah. You just screamed at us from your bedroom window. <laughs> I wonder if she thought you guys were like like weirdo super fans that were just trying to get her attention to get her to come to the door. I am going to be diplomatic and not share more about this story and just say, yeah, maybe that was it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't want to disparage her because I have nothing but R-E-S-P-E-C-T for her. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> so Mike and I thought it would be kind of fun to um, to do something a little bit different. I don't know. Maybe it's not different. I don't know. Maybe other people are doing this. But we got a voicemail box for our listeners to leave messages yeah. on, about the show. So... You can leave us a review. You can suggest a show idea. Correct my pronunciation on all of the words that I butcher. (laughs) The possibilities are endless. So if you would like to call and leave us a message, we might play it on a future show. Um, If you don't want us to to play one, just say that you don't want us to play it. And we'll just, you know, read what you said or whatever. Um, But the number to do that is 313-489-0733. Nine, so you can call us. You can leave us a voicemail, and we might play it on a future show. So, and when you leave a message, give us your first name and what city you're calling. From yes, too. please, yeah. please. And then, obviously, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm trying to get better about posting stuff on Instagram. It's really difficult, but I'm going to do my best. And then you can also email us at greatlakesconfidential at gmail Please share the show and review us. Um, at one point, the show in season one was on it was we were like number 26 on one of the apple podcast lists and yeah. um i think i was there for about a week and i'd really like to get back to that spot again so if, yeah. if you can uh if you can review us on apple podcast that would be super cool i guess that's it yeah yeah i hope you guys loved this show um like i said we'll do more on on women and in, in michigan because there's a lot of uh there's a lot of pretty rad women in the state. So that was really cool. Thank you. I like how it's easier for you to find positive stories about women in Michigan, and it's easy for me to find stories about toxic masculinity <laughs> in men in the history of Michigan. I'm sure there's some pretty horrible women out there too. In fact, I was just like scrolling through. Um, I was trying to find a, the episode I wanted to listen to on Morbid, 
And um, I like quick scrolled through and it had some woman's name and she was a murderer in Michigan. So I was like, oh, that Ooh. might be something I want to yeah, touch on at yeah, some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, so, um, so, yeah. And I am working on a story about a pretty cool. Can yeah, you yeah, want yeah. me to say? I am working on a story about uh, so far in my research, he seems like a, a really cool guy and. Uh, he was he was affectionately known as Captain Santa. How have I never heard of this? He you have heard of it. Uh, he uh, he was the captain of the Christmas tree ship. Okay, that went down in Lake Michigan. Ooh, so, I love shipwreck stories too. Yeah, we have a so, lot of those. Yeah, I've I've started researching it, and uh, but I I want to do further research because uh, he seems like a really solid dude and uh and there may also be a ghost story element yes, to it yes. uh and then i have another story that uh i need to bounce off of you that um uh almost uh gets human centipede weird oh so uh yeah that is all right we'll talk about that yeah you know what i you know i was just thinking like what other state there's not a lot of other states in our country that can be like yeah, we have like shipwrecks and like you know what I mean because like yeah. nobody else has the Great Lakes and so there's not. I mean, I'm I would imagine obviously like coastal states can probably say that they might have some shipwrecks, but even then they would be like so far off the coast they wouldn't really. Can anybody right. claim? Yeah. Can the state claim them? But like we have a bunch of shipwrecks. Like I mean, hundreds of ships have are in the bottom of our Great Lakes. Yeah. That's crazy. The um, storm that took the Rouse Simmons, which is the Christmas tree ship, also took three other ships that weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. This state is so cool. It really is. <laughs> it's so cool. I'm so thankful that you decided <laughs> that I was the person that you wanted to co-host this yes, I'm, with you. Yes. Because I... I am an entertainment news junkie, but I'm also a trivia junkie. And there's a lot of trivia about the state that I just don't know about that mm -hmm. much. So I'm really excited, not only, you know, that you're like, oh, yeah, you know, let me know if you come up with any ideas for episodes because I have a life too. But also <laughs> getting to sit across from you and be like, oh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Oh, <laughs> badass babes from Michigan. I'm on board. Like, this is so cool. It's I'm so exciting. So, so thankful that you let me do this. And I'm, I'm really thankful that other people enjoy the show yeah, too. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You guys, um, our listeners are really the best. Like, just. Just a bunch of really cool people. And I'm so glad that they've been interacting with us on Facebook and and just continuing to love the show because I was I was so nervous about bringing it back because, you know, once you get into a groove with somebody and then you stop that groove and then you have to try to find a groove with somebody else, you're always very, it's kind of anxiety inducing. And so you never really know what's going to happen. And everything has been so cool and it's gone so smoothly and I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more happy. So, um, so thank you for, for, you know joining me on this journey yeah, it's I'm been awesome great, right? yeah you're all right yeah I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> all right so i'm gonna get out of here um and head back to the uh secondary location of our podcast studio <laughs> yes <laughs> i.e my home the editing studios <laughs> <laughs> oh to have an actual studio someday 
Um, so anyways, um, yeah, I hope you guys, um, have a great rest of your week. Um, be safe out there. Watch for deer and text us when you get home. And, uh, give the badass babe in your life a high five. And, uh, yeah. And then give like to describe what you just did, just give her not like a finger gun, but just kind of like point at her, like you're number one. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No weird pats on the fanny or anything like that. No, that's, no, no. That's, yeah, not, come on, it's 2023. It's almost 2024. <laughs> Get your act together, guys. Please. <laughs> You're just going to keep going on forever. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like after you put on your shoes, after you leave here and you pat me on the butt and you go, good hustle. I'm like, what? Yep. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Stop recording, you weirdo. Get him next time, champ. And I'm like, why did you just pat me on the butt? And then you give me like a little like, not like a little punch on the chin, but you just kind of put your knuckles against my chin and give my like chin a little push. And then uh, you tussle my hair and you go, uh, all right, champ. And I'm like, (laughs) you know my name. I know how much you hate laughing. So I'm just trying to keep saying ridiculous things to get you to keep laughing. I'm just going to leave. Okay, bye. (laughs) You're going to call me champ. Okay, now that we did a rehearsal, you want to record it for real? I'm kidding.